Hey, it's recording already. Okay, we're on the next podcast. Yay. Um, let's begin. Welcome to LIW, the Orville Review, episode 6 for 106 Krill. I'm Phoenix West. Adam Wilcox. I wanted some real awkward space in there for no reason. Banner, banner, banner. Thank you. I need, I need banner alerts for... There we go. There you go. There we go. David Banner. David Banner was here. <laughs> I forget it. We have to change it. I'm not. I'm not. Well, that's what I'm taking. I'm taking care of you. I'm not a banner guy, you know. Looking out for number one. Damn right. Um, yeah. Welcome to this show. We're talking about Krill. We just finished talking about Priya. So let's talk about something that we liked. I didn't like the opening of this episode. I thought it was real stupid. And Walk us through the opening one more time. Yeah. It's, it's it's a Bordis. Yeah. They're all they're all uh, having lunch or dinner or some sort of third meal, maybe maybe That's Taco right. Bell. Okay. And then he, they're eating some gelatinous thing, and then he gives it to Bordis, and he eats. What do you eat? The wrong part. I don't even fuck remember how it gets set up. He it's basically just a series of them feeding him like glass and and a cactus and just all this awful. Because shit. on Mocklin they can eat uh, substances that don't have any uh, like nutritional value or something like that. He can yeah. basically he can basically eat anything. It's yeah. just one of his alien powers that they've re- revealed is that he can eat glass. He can eat a cactus, and they're they're having fun watching him eat things that people don't normally eat. I love that you could tell they're holding the real item and they hand it to him. Oh, the first one, uh, first one they get him to try that's gross is a napkin. He hands him a napkin, and the camera cuts behind Bordis, and it's clearly gummy. <laughs> I was like, come on. And then same thing with the glass. The sugar glass was the one that fucking got me. I'm the sugar like, glass was fucking hilarious. I wonder what sugar glass tastes like, don't you? Sugar. I wonder if it has just has any kind of other flavor to it. or It's... Just- it's just sugar thing. glass. It's so dumb. Hey, have you eaten it before? No, no, no. Never eaten it. Okay. I never, never thought to. But aren't you curious? Just, just a little bit, like I'm sugar sure. glass. Well, I've had like, uh, like when they make cakes and they make things out of sugar. It's the same exact stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like if I was on a movie set and somebody wasn't looking, I'd probably grab like if I had to like jump through <laughs> a sugar glass. Like when nobody's looking, I'd be like. <laughs> You'd be the stuntman. I, like, I would be that guy. I'd be run, like, running holy fuck, it tastes just like sugar. Can you not jump out the window like this? <laughs> Nobody does that. It's supposed to be real glass, you realize. Just mouth first. Wait, don't waste that. I know a king <laughs> guy down the street. He'll pay good money for that. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yeah, it's, uh, that's the whole intro. And the only thing I liked about it was Bordis goes, I can eat almost anything. He goes, you can eat literally anything. And he goes, I can eat almost anything. He says the same thing because he doesn't want to say he, he I like. I don't know why I like that, but it was it was genuine to the character where he's like, that's not what I said. But he doesn't say it like that, like all shitty. He just goes, I can eat almost anything. Almost anything. It, yeah. I had to look that deep to find something to enjoy in that scene, and that's what I got. I was hoping that, again, that's the problem that kind of drives me nuts with these shows, is you're hoping that they're going to call that back later. Yes. Or put it as, as part of the plot. No, it's just a side thing. Those opening, the cold opens work on The Office, where it's a prank, and then you get the episode after the credits come back, and you can have a thing. But it doesn't so much work in a show like this, because we're used to structure, and we're used to this pays off this, this is setting up this. This goes fucking nowhere. Unless they're setting up something episodes down the line. 
this this show is a good example of somebody that's trying to have it both ways. It's like you can you can either be serious or not be serious, and, and it's like you want to have too much of everything, but not enough of the things that, that count. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, uh, but oh, but this is a good episode. We're gonna get to that. Yeah. Yeah, since we're uh, past the cold we're getting opener, getting our grievances out of the way early. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead and and set up the the plot of the actual beginning plot of it. What gets them What gets them going here? They actually encounter the krill. Uh, they count. They find some debris actually, and they find a ship that is disabled, and they capture the ship and they start studying some technology. And uh, to make a long story short, they develop the ability to clone. Like, like they have a holographic image that you can put over top of your entire body to make you look like a krill. And uh, they set up a mission where they're going to use this technology that they've just created to infiltrate a uh, cruiser, and they're going to blow it up. Yeah, they they find the krill blowing up like a colony on some planet. They, they show up there, and then they talk to them. They're like, stop shooting them. We order you. And then Kelly's like, how often does this actually work? And they stop shooting, and they turn around. We see this shot of their ship is just like... The Orville is just like this big compared to this other ship. It's super tiny compared. And then uh, they start shooting at them and they have to do a bunch of fancy maneuvering and blow them up. But then they find that one of the ships is there. And that's the basic setup of that. They have a they have a krill ship. And then what you're saying there, Adam? Mostly is, intact. I think like yeah. the, the drive is disabled, but it's not completely destroyed. There's no bodies yeah. in it or anything. They, they actually find this... Yeah, the ship, and it's the closest they've ever gotten to their technology, to the best of my knowledge. So it's it's a big find for them. Yeah, they're like the most uh, secret uh, race in this in this world so far. Nobody knows anything about them. All they know is that they have this book on every ship, and that's the plot. They have to go get their Bible, the Akana or something like that. Yeah, the only thing this show has told you about them is they are the bad guy. Yeah, that's it. I'm glad they didn't keep it. They're just the bad guy throughout the whole episode. You get a little bit no. more, but then they're still true to life at the very, very end. Uh, yes. And that's what I liked about this episode so much. Uh, but, yeah, they, they have those cloaking devices which turns them into krill. Krill are like white creatures, and the men have little horns right here. They look pretty cool. They, they remind me of some of the better stuff I've seen on, like, Deep Space Nine or, like... Uh, Voyager, like like some of that really good TNG makeup that they had. There yeah, it's go. cool looking. That, that, that they're they're pretty legit, man. I, I like the way they look. They look yeah. kind of like uh, bearded dragons. It's kind of cool because we get to see Seth MacFarlane and Scott Grimes in these costumes. Yes, this is the first time we've seen uh, Seth MacFarlane in any kind of heavy makeup. Uh, same with Grimes, and it was cool seeing these outfits. I gotta say, are fucking awesome. I love yeah. these costumes. They, they're all uh, jacked the way up. That they're built. Yeah. It looks like they're jacked up. Yeah, it looks like they're wearing like uh, like Marvel DC type armor. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's just, it's just, they're just they they spent some money on the makeup here in this episode. Yeah, you can see how everybody's the, wearing this shit. You can see how the I was, I was looking for somebody wearing rubber masks. I didn't see any. No, it I looks, think it looks legit. Had makeup it does. On, it's know? good. The men have like the horns. The women don't. Their heads are shaped yeah. a little bit different. They're kind of mm-hmm. the women kind of look like a, I don't know like snake creatures. Um. But they're a little they too close to the White Walkers. Says something kind of funny with those horns too. They're like, yeah. well, "Where were you guys? Oh, well, we were sharpening our horn, waxing our horns. horns. <laughs> we were waxing our chin horns. Yeah. Great. I like that. That was pretty, it just, they timed it just right. They did, and they didn't like. That's the thing that drives me nuts about the show is like it's cool to do a joke, 
but move on past it and keep going. Not say, hey, did you, just, did you like that joke that we just said? Hey, let's, let's talk about that some more yeah. and, and see if we can extend the joke. It's because no. we didn't have Lamar there to go, let's point that joke back out. Yeah. Okay. See that dog licking his balls? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I can stare at. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> on the way over to the ship, while they're dressed as Krill, they play the same CCR song from the Twilight Zone movie intro. Do you remember? It's the same exact one. I was one. just thinking of that, too, when we were watching. It's getting... like, it's the midnight special. <laughs> yeah. Shine a light on me. <laughs> and uh, the guy who plays Grimes actually does have a good voice, too. I, I've heard him singing. Uh, it's something that he does. The guy so. that plays Malloy, Scott Grimes? Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. When he sings on American Dad, I'm like, holy shit, Duke. And, and that's a doing a voice singing. I'm like, he can fucking sing. No, he, he actually, and I'm not talking about this episode. In a later episode, he, he sings again, yeah. and he he's, he can hit them notes. Yeah, he's got a he can get really high pitched in, in a weird voice and mm-hmm. sing perfectly. It's it's kind of incredible because I can't. I have way too deep of a voice to hit any near anywhere yeah, near those I, notes. I, I know what you mean. Like like there's only certain octaves I can hit, and yeah. I don't attempt to try to like I'm never going to do a fucking Joe Perry song ever in no, my whole life, no. or or a fucking Freddie Mercury song. I know better. You know? If, <laughs> so. if, yeah, if I try to sing a Freddie Mercury song, it's going to be like a ship ship exploding on reentry, just fall, it's, parts it's falling be off. Me doing a very bad <sighs> fake voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> shine a light on me. It's yeah, yeah. it's going to get really whispery. Not going to get anywhere near it. Um, okay, they get aboard the ship. Uh, there's a little too much of this for my taste. There's a little too much of them talking like they're not really in the situation that they're in. Like they're trying it's to stay padding. aloof. Yeah, they're they're padding. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely padding. Like they, they ran out of, they, oh, we got to stretch this. Oh, they'll just uh, do some talking on the ship. But it, I would understand, like, they should try to be undercover. Like, they're trying to, because it's really this episode ends up being like a spy movie is what they're doing. They're going there to infiltrate, mm-hmm. like, a Mission Impossible thing, and they're going there to get information. They're going to get the book or take pictures of the book, which they end up doing, taking one at a time. But there's way too it's much of them going. It's not even so much the uh, the journey there. It's just what they do with that time when yeah. they're on that fucking ship. Because uh, they've done that to death in, you know, uh, Deep Space Nine, Next Generation, uh you know voyager where they have conversations on the way there but it's usually something important that they're going to pay off later yes but this this particular case it's just like eh, yeah we gotta waste some time between a and b so i don't even mean the time waste i literally mean the way they're talking they're not even trying to blend in they're going oh i was out there you know playing backgammon with and you're like there's not that's an example but it's shit that that's dumb and i'm like they're not gonna fool anyone but instead nobody blinks an eye and they also mentioned, like, oh, we should probably come up with some names. Yeah. I'm like, you probably should have thought about that before you got onto the fucking spaceship and it's, started heading towards the big spaceship. Like, it's like... You probably should have filled in some backstories. Like, at this point, somebody on the ship would have arranged a dossier for you and faked a record and said, you are now this person. Yes. If you really wanted to pull this shit off. It, but it seems like a really important hill. mission. that, Like, <laughs> yeah. they're sending them there as diplomats, undercover diplomats. In case you get discovered, here's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to harm them. There's your backup plan. But instead, it's like there's a fucking gas leak on the Orville, and they're all really dumb. And it's like, oh, shit, we should probably prepare something. It's like all the D minus students going out on a on a rescue mission. It's so dumb, but it, it still didn't attract me for me liking the episode. But no. they show up on the ship. They they introduce themselves. They say their names are like Dust. I don't forget what the fuck their names were. Something starts with a D. Something Devin, with an S. Devin and Chris. Yeah, Devin and Chris. 
Chris like, and Devin. Because they, they were, they, they, they kind of did a little bit of a joke, like, my name should be Hachmiah, you know, or something like that. Like, they were trying to fucking do some kind of Klingon shit, you know. Quinn Faru. Ultimately, they come up with Chris and Devin. Yeah. Because he's just, Seth MacFarlane, he's just going to, Chris. But he's and, just and like, Devin. he's like, yeah, our ship got destroyed, everyone but us. And he's like. Everyone but you? That's weird, because this is how the rest of the Krill talk. That's that's bizarre. How did you manage to survive? And they're like, yeah, we we happened to be cleaning the, the, the shuttle, and it got blown up, and here we are. We're really mad about that. Oh, those Union guys. Oh. That's how they talk. And I'm like, can you try to blend in? I get the joke is that you're bad at that, but it goes on for the whole episode. Again, this is kind of where, 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 this, where the show is constantly wrestling between humor and wanting to be an intelligent science fiction. And it's, yeah. it's these earlier episodes are proving that this is kind of hard, more difficult to do than you thought it would be. You know what I mean? At least from what, we, from what we've seen so far. Well, what, what he should have done is wrote a serious script. And then go back and go, where can I infuse some humor? But instead he went, right. I want to write a funny show and sci-fi. Let's write that together. Well, that's what I'm saying. If you, been... embrace the, if you embrace the Star Trek, there's plenty of times where they tell jokes uh, yeah. on, on, on regular Star Trek. And, it, and they work because they put them in at times to give you a little bit of a breathing room, relieve a little bit of tension, and also to develop characters, to yeah. give people personalities, you know? Some sort of disconnect with the humor. Something. Because yeah, right now it's... it's, it's some, uh, it almost feels like they have a grocery list of they have to have X amount of jokes per episode and they're just filling in the blanks. Like, yeah. like In a case like what we're just talking about, clearly they didn't care. It's like, well, we got to get the joke out of the way. So, yeah, it's, I'm Chris and this is Devin. If I would have wrote this, I'd have been like, I'm Chris and this is Chris... Two, <laughs> you know that's what I would. It still would have sucked, you know. Chris yeah. number two or Chris also. Yeah, and then you could have had, you could have played that off later and on. It's like just no, nah, just playing Chris. Like yeah. where's Chris? Oh, the other Chris. So, I don't know. So, you mean so. Chris too? Yes, Chris. Chris. It's, it's short for Chris. I mean Chris also. Yeah, Chris two for Christopher. That's just an inside joke. We yeah something. I don't know. But, hey, Seth, hit us up. We'll help you write some of these jokes for you, buddy. No problem. But uh, the, we we will we will expect to be paid though. They go to a a church and then they sit there for the for the church thing, and then uh, they the guy in the front there the the I don't know the priest whatever you want to call him is just like here's what I have and he goes to a box and he pulls out a human head, <laughs> and then he starts just stabbing it a thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> and they can't hide like like oh and like how is nobody noticing them freaking out? It's too much of this going on, and it doesn't pay off. No, but it's then just, it, it, they're just jokes to to hit the joke quota. Yeah, I don't know if that was a joke. I think it was just supposed Got to be a joke brutal. meter. Oh, joke, 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 joke. And then they all oh, leave. Still need some more. Keep they going. go back. Yeah. They go back into the into the room with the book, and they start take single pictures out, and it's like. Shh. I was like, this is going to take forever. That book is like, you know, Stephen King's The Stand, the unabridged version where it's 2,000 pages long. This is going to take forever. Don't they have a way of scanning a whole book in the future? Something. Take the fucking book and leave. <laughs> but no, they, they... Duplicate it. Yeah, like scan it. You know, this is the future, right? You could have came up with some kind of like, you know, copy the DNA of the fucking thing and recreate it. I don't know. Yeah. Just, 
it would be the first time that, that a Star Trek type show has bullshitted its way through a plot using scientific oh, yeah. uh, devices. You're, you're hundreds of years what, in the future. Do whatever you want. One more isn't going to hurt anybody at this point. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to go too far because then you're a fantasy show. And no, yeah. I don't want to go. I have magical reading powers. I absorb the book. No. But uh, they get caught. Wonder Woman 1984. (laughs) Yeah. They get caught and they walk out of the room and then the priest is suspicious. So he goes and talks to the captain of the ship and says he wants them tracked. They go in late at night to get more pictures of the book. A guard shows up. They sneak around. Get some Scooby-Doo hijinks. Um, And really just the rest of the episode is they they, they find a bomb. Their thing shut off. So they're like they figure out that there's a something outside in the exact same signal two floors two floors below. They get to they retune it so they're krill again. They go down, find out there's a massive fucking bomb there, and they're gonna blow up the some colony with a hundred thousand people on it. You want to take over? This is when the show starts getting interesting because yes. they decide that they're gonna ignite this bomb on the fucking ship, blow them all up. But uh, they also say, hey, will you come in here for a second? And they bring him into a room, and there's a room literally full of kids. Like they've got a school, like a classroom. One of the ladies that they befriend, it turns out she's actually a teacher. So these these giant ships, like like Star Trek Next Generation, have classrooms of kids. And they immense, like, instant regret. They're like, we can't blow up a bunch of fucking kids. You know, like, I, I just, I can't do this, you know, so... Oh, they, now we have a, a classic Star Trek style dilemma. What it, do you do? It's set up really well, though. This is actually a, yeah. a, a version of a good setup on the show, which I want to definitely take a pause yeah. because we always trash on them for not doing good good setups. So here we go. The, the kids, one of them goes, "Do humans have souls?" And the teacher's like, "Definitely not. There's no souls there." So that's what they're. That's what Mercer's motivation is. I don't want to blow up these kids because I have a soul. I don't want to fucking just kill these kids because that sets a really bad example. And that pays off even further in the, the very end because it's yeah. like, oh, it didn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. They're still going to see you that way. But sorry, just want to interrupt to say that. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, you're, you're doing a better job than I was with <laughs> this because I, I, I enjoyed this, this part of the episode once they finally got yeah. onto the ship. And they, they started getting past all the jokey joke shit, and they yeah. started getting into actual plot. And uh, the, the the Krill characters are interesting as fuck yes. in the show. They're very well portrayed. They they have their own their own. They, they set up their society nice. Uh, they explain that the reason that their pigment is as light as it is is because their their oh, yeah. uh, planet is entirely engulfed in darkness uh, the entire year. Like yeah, every day of the year they're so they they're very sensitive to sunlight and light is is it be because the ship is kind of darkened and i just assumed that it was just kind of darkened because they always did that on on uh, star trek every time they go on the klingon ships always like dark oh, yeah. and grimy in there it doesn't look very clean you know like random really, lights uh, and weird spots like the, the, the complete opposite of starfleet starfleet's always like really white and they yeah. probably wash the place six times a day you know and, and then you go on this Klingon ship, and it's like this probably a, it's like a haunted like a house. Human head yeah, it's like <laughs> a haunted house. Yeah. So, huh? it's just, oh, yep. We're back in Klingon territory. Yeah. So. yeah, but yeah, the look of the ship. The first half of this episode, I was like, oh, okay, and I'm like, kind of waiting for. I'm like, oh, going along for the ride, and then it starts introducing all this stuff. Like, 
about the time you started taking pictures of the Bible is when I started to get interested. I'm like, all right, they're doing something. Oh, it's like a spy movie. Okay, they're, that's what they're doing. And then it's this moral dilemma, which is always going to be the best, best setup for an episode of this type of show. Moral dilemma. We can never get enough moral dilemmas. No. We love the fucking moral dilemma. That's why we watch these kind of shows. Yes. Because we want to see them overcome adversity through teamwork. And uh, how do you achieve a moral dilemma? And who's right and who's wrong in these situations? Yeah. And, and especially when you can see it from both angles. You know, because like you said, well, they don't have any souls. It's like, well, that kind of fits because throughout this entire series so far, we don't know shit about the Krill except they're the, the ugly bad guys. Yeah. Well, it turns out they see us exactly the same fucking way, which is is totally accurate and appropriate. That's it. They did it exactly how they should have. I have zero complaints about how they set up the krill and how that all pays off. And I'm really yeah. looking forward to finding out what happens with the krill based on the last thing the woman says. They they made them an interesting species, other yeah. than just this is the throwaway villain in this universe. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're aboard the ship, like we said. Uh, they they realize, they, they go in another room, and they're talking, and they're like, right, what the hell are we going to do? Like, we can't just kill all these kids. And he's like, yeah, but it's 100,000 people. He's like, we got to come up with something else. And they kind of do the you know the sci-fi tech babble where it's, if this is turning off our thing, our, our cloaking device as a, in this frequency, let's can we reverse that? He's like, overload the power unit and, you know, blow the bomb up on the ship. We can do that from our from the, from the escape ship that we took here. That's all set up. They realize they can change the lights because he, he, that's when he starts to kind of realize they're white because they have zero pigment. Um, he, he's explaining it to a child that snuck into the room. They're and, overly sensitive to light. Yeah. And then he's, they're going to overload the lights. O- only thing is they don't want to kill the kids. So they he comes up with a plan to get the kids in the room. He's going to go in there and destroy the light. Um, he goes to do that. Ed Mercer does. And then Malloy goes, and he's going to... Fuck, I don't know what he's doing, honestly. He gets caught, though. That's all I know. Yeah, the, the plan that they come up with is they're, they're, it, rather than blow them all up, they're going to they're gonna burn them with a light. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then protect kids, yeah. burn everybody else, pretty much. Like, he's like, worst we get is a sunburn. Yep. They, they get a sunburn. They won't die, you know, they, they, but they'll be disoriented long enough to where they can, you know, pull this thing off, so... Yeah, Malloy. The whole point is they don't want, they don't want to blow everybody up. You know, so. Yeah, because the kids why bother? But uh, they're not your they're not our enemy yet. Uh, they will be. But he go Mercer goes in the classroom. She was just about to dismiss the class. And he's like, no, 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 stay here, stay here. I need to talk to you. And then uh, Malloy gets caught by the captain, takes him there to the bridge, and then they do the light thing, and then it burns everyone alive, burns all the krill alive. Just gives Scott Grimes' character just a red glow except they're vampire, a... hunters. <laughs> yeah. they're vampire hunters vampire hunters i, I do remember that, that line because it's right. yeah that, that didn't bother me yeah. it's, it's blade that was a they, joke that actually worked the, yeah. the uv lights from blade basically mm-hmm. <laughs> they, and it works because they all burn and then they turn black and then they're dead and then the kids are safe just cuts to the orville and then kelly's talking to to the teacher lady i don't remember her name doesn't matter and then they're like all right, the kids are all safe, and then Mercer comes into the room, and she's like, You're, I can't believe you have the balls to face me, or the guts to face me. He makes them all leave, and he's just, a couple lines, he's just like, he's like, don't be mad. Uh, she's like, where are the kids? And he goes, oh, they're safe. They're, they're going to be sent back to their parents on Krill. And I was like, or their home world, whatever the fuck it's called. And I was like, 
aren't weren't their parents wouldn't their parents have been on that ship? <laughs> now they're all dead. Is it just a, a ship of warriors? And I don't know. Some they, they kind of glossed over that, yeah. And I didn't even really think of it until you until you mentioned <laughs> something. Now, so I, I would think that they'd all if it's like the Enterprise, you know. For, I, I keep comparing to Star Trek, but it is fucking Star Trek. So yeah. You have to, but uh, yeah, are they on the on the on on the ship with the kids? You, you just send these kids off by themselves onto a ship. To teach them, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. So, but then the te- the but teacher's what's, like, "What's what's? We- yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, the teacher's like, "Why didn't you kill? Why didn't you kill us?" And she he goes, "They're children, and they're not our enemy." And she goes, "I love this line. I forget the exact line, but she basically just goes, they 'They 'They're not going to be happy with the union. They're going to remember this forever.' Basically saying, yes, you saved these kids, but you've created." An even stronger enemy now with these kids once they grow he up. He said they're not our enemies, and then she just looks at him real serious and says they will be. Yeah. And it ends on that note. And it's weird because she kind of says it the same way that Yoda said it in, yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. She even repeats I know, it. I know that was a callback, <laughs> and it was a clever one because it ends on that line. So it's like you've ended your your comedy sci-fi show on a serious tone, which teases for more and better stuff because this is what we like. Like... We don't mind a little bit of comedy here and there, as long as it's 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 more about where you use it, you yeah, know, and and how you use it, and what we're coming for is we want the fucking story, we want the moral dilemma, and that's why I was excited to do this show with you because it, it, it I I I warned you, first couple episodes are gonna piss you off, and then it gets way better, you know, because it does. It, it uh, there's an episode coming up here real soon that I'm dying to talk to you about. And I'm not going to tell you any fucking thing about it. And I don't want you to look up anything about it. No. Because I, it's going to spoil everything. I, want you to I don't look up go anything. Go in as blind as possible. Yeah, this one, this is one of those, if you look up any any of episode seven at all, it will spoil it for you. I yeah, just... Just go in, go in as blind as possible. All I do, I don't want to know anything about the plots ahead of time. I just turn yeah. on the episode and I watch it. And then halfway through, I like, I like, we'll look at... The rating, or I don't know. This time I didn't look up anything. I just took my notes and then I look it up now when I did my ratings before we started recording. But, but it, it, it's, been, it's been hit or miss on the show, and it's just like we either love it or it's like, eh. You know what I mean? Like, none of it's like really just like, oh God, that's the worst thing I've ever seen. You know, it, I haven't it, hated it, an episode yet. The pilot was no, the weakest one no. so far. Uh, and then Priya. The pilot was weak, and uh, the, the, the last one we did was Priya. not very good. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't so, crazy about that, but I didn't hate it. No. Uh, it, it just It was just flat. It, it didn't didn't resonate. There wasn't anything memorable about it. But yeah, this one, if I had to give this one a score, I'd say uh, 7 out of 10. Okay. Uh, if I was doing the cheese curd scale, probably a 3 out of 5. I, I, I really liked it. Um, there are better ones than this one, but I did like the story and I like the moral dilemma. And I'm anxious to see, like you, more of the krill. I like what they're doing yeah. with this species. You know, it's like they're they're giving them the same life that the Klingons had. But it, 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 I think the Klingons on this show are Bordas species. Yeah, yeah. So this is somebody completely different. This is this is like a new kind of a villain and. There's all kinds of uncharted waters that you can go with this fucking species too. Like, there's a lot of really good writing you can do if you revisit this. So they're they they look more like the Klingons, but they act more like um. Why am I? Blanking? They actually remind me of uh, one of the species of the Dominion from uh, uh, Deep Space Nine. They had the Dominion on there, and I can't remember exactly which which ones they were because the Dominion is actually made up of three different species. Kind of Romulan. Uh, one of them, not the Romulans. No, no I'm this saying this is uh, 
And I'll find out in a second here. Because I just watched that not too long ago. Um, let me finish. I'll do my score and stuff while you're looking. Go right up. ahead. Yeah. Um, I did give it a little more credit uh, for how well they set up the krill. I gave it an 8. So on yours, I'll give it a 4. Um, I, I really do like this episode, but the problem is there's way too much of that bad undercover talk for me. It kind of ruined the beginning part. If this had a, as solid as a beginning as it did the second half, I would have probably given this a 9 or 10. Um... But if you're looking at it as just the second half of the episode, it saved the whole fucking episode for me. It, it was so good, the ending. I really did enjoy this. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's the, that's the Jim Hadar. Uh, that's, that's what I was trying to remember, because the, 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 the Dominion are made up of three different species. You've got the, the shapeshifters who run everything. The Jim Hadar are the, pretty much the foot soldiers. And then you've got the uh, kind of elf-like creatures that are played, like, uh, played by uh, Jeffrey Combs. They kind of call the shots. They're like the, the oh, middle yeah. management. So these guys are the grunts because they're bred uh, specifically to kill. And they have a very short lifespan. Like they live like maybe 10 years tops. And they're controlled by drugs. They use drugs to... They're, they're, they're dependent on a fucking drug. And if they're denied that drug, they literally can't even function. So they use these drugs to control this well, entire species. But they're like pimps. These gems right here remind me of the krill. They look similar. Yeah. Get them hooked on the smack. They'll do whatever you want. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, they're they're all hooked on smack. It was a really cool idea for a villain uh, that hadn't been done yet. So, But uh, I'm anxious to see what they do with the krill. Uh, we've gotten a taste of it. This, this is a pretty good, pretty good setup episode for a villain that we know virtually nothing about. And I'm anxious to see where that goes. Yeah. So. Uh, it's... I, I probably like that other episode more. I already forgot what it's called. The one with the... the all. Uh, oh my god, I'm blanking on everything right now. Um, it's been a while since we did an episode. Bordis' so People. I like that episode more, probably. That was uh, called About a Girl. Yeah. I like that episode yeah. more. Um, yes, I do too. Uh, th that one is I, I rank a lot higher than this one. Because I, I, I think... so. Uh, of what's come out so far, that one was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, I mean, I gave it the same score, but I don't know. Maybe I should give this a seven, but I'm sticking with eight because I like the second half and I like the setup of Krill so <laughs> Stick well. Stick to your guns. It was yeah. the first number that popped in my head. I'm like, it's a seven. Uh, it could have been a little better in spots, but it, 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 I liked what they had. I liked that we at least got a moral dilemma. It took a while to get there, but it was it was still there, and I appreciate it for all it is. It, it I, I, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans say the same thing, and I'm going to echo what they say. The show's better when it's when it's being Star Trek. Yeah. Um, when it's when it's trying to be Family Guy or American Dad, it just kind of doesn't really work. Let those jokes be on your joke shows. Yeah, it's okay to have those jokes, but it doesn't have to be the focus of your, you know, because what it does is it confuses. Because it's like you want to go one way, and then you got this thing distracting you, and it's like, well, am I supposed to do that? You know what I'm saying? It. it I think what he wants to do is he wants to be John Landis, and John Landis pulled it off perfectly with. Uh, American Werewolf in London. Not everybody's as clever as John Landis is. You know what I mean? Like nope. only he knew the right balance between horror and comedy. Uh, now you're trying to do sci-fi and comedy, and it's like you want to have that balance, but clearly you're not that talented to get there yet. So it's like you yeah. need to commit to one thing or another. You you just have that balance. You, you need to have more serious and less jokes, you which can, would make it more Star Trek. Yeah. Like you can use a sitcom to land really heavy dramatic moments like Roseanne did that perfectly the original show like, you know another one that did some really heavy uh, issues too was uh, Prince of uh, Bel-Air 
yeah. Fresh Prince yeah. used to have a fucking more or less in every week, and they had some really heavy ones on there. Yeah, and, and also Scrubs had some, um, and that's just a joke show. And then suddenly you'd be like, oh my god, what the fuck? <laughs> like, All in the Family, which was fucking steeped in politics, and that was oh, real yeah. popular for a long time, because it, it hit everything. Uh, it, it, it dove headfirst into the politics and was successful. You yeah, know, so. but you have to set up your characters for enough time, and then you get the dramatic moments. It's this show, yeah. the first half of the episode is all the jokes, the second half is all the serious resolution, and it almost feels like the episode begins halfway through for these episodes, which sucks, because... Yeah. It, it, it's, it's it's like you, you, it's, like it's the result of two different two different things. It's like it's like you you, you, you it's 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 like being in a relationship with somebody who can't commit. You know what I mean? It's like you got you can't seem to get enough of one thing. You know what I mean? It's like it's like either commit to the comedy and call it a comedy, or commit to the science fiction. I get you want to be clever science fiction, and I like some of these story plots. They're they're good, even if they're stories that we've heard before. You can still be clever with it, like this one. Would uh, it, it's good, you know would, what I mean. So would it surprise you to find out Seth MacFarlane did not write this episode? Not it one bit. David A. The Goodman. last one, it didn't surprise me one bit when you said Seth MacFarlane wrote that. I'm yeah. like, that explains a lot. This is gratuitous. Seth MacFarlane it is worse. Like, uh, and this one had a joke uh, later on where Scott Grime gets stabbed in the leg by the people that capture him, and he goes, "Oh, that's a new leg," and I laughed, and I was like, "Ah, they did a callback." <laughs> Because it's, it it's, it's a nice callback, and they didn't have to, like, drive it any farther than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's a new leg. You messed up a perfectly good new leg. And they, they moved on. But yeah. great episode, and I'm looking forward to future Krill episodes, like we said. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a good, uh, I don't know, say Bible, but it's a good universe-expanding episode, and I want to see where this goes with this. I want to see... Where our crew goes from learning about this. And I like the fact that they left it on a really sour note. He didn't go, I have a soul, yeah. that's why I didn't kill. He no, didn't, we, we he didn't do the Friday the 13th, the serious thing, where we yeah. had to end on a, on a lame joke. You know, Not even a joke, just him explaining why he did what he did. Instead, he just stares yeah. at her like, oh, you bitch, you're still going to come after us. It doesn't matter what I say right now. It's just sour, yeah. the ending, and it's great. I do like the Andy Sedaris thing, where they always end on a champagne toast. You yeah. know? <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, Adam. Yep. Um, good episode. I will just say um, liwstudios.com for me. RaidersLostFlicks.com for me. Raiders Lost Flicks on YouTube. Raiders underscore OTLF on Twitter. If you want to give me a follow. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Um, so until next time, in the meantime, I'm Phoenix West. I'm Adam Wilcox. So long, citizens. So long, Krill. Should have killed the kid. So long, Orville. We're halfway through season one. And uh, there's the best is yet to come.